On today's episode, we interview the Chief Strategy and Corporate Development Officer at SEM Rush. Now, if you don't know SEM Rush and you're in e-commerce, you might be living in a rock, but basically it's a gold standard in SEO. Do stay tuned. Retail and e-commerce have witnessed an unprecedented transformation in the last decade. The widespread adoption of mobile technology, social media, as well as the lowered cost of cloud-based technology have not only eroded the barriers to entry in retail, but it's also led to the rapid rise and dominance of digital native product brands that sell directly to their customers. On this podcast, you'll get the scoop on customer acquisition and retention strategies employed by high-growth digital native product brands. Not being afraid to spend because you know that customer is going to pay it back uh, three or four-fold. That's when you start to unlock channels in the way that they were meant to be used. Listen to interviews with experts at the forefront of technology and innovation in digital retail. Three years ago, they wouldn't have come to us because, yeah, the macro trend of cloud, Wi-Fi, broadband, availability, that was a real, that was a real problem. Hear first-hand stories from founders of innovative direct-to-consumer brands. Although I was thinking about the competition, I was more thinking about, like, how do I just build a freaking successful business? We focus on driving as much traffic as possible, converting that traffic, uh, and then dumping money back into driving more traffic. These insights will help you consistently 2x growth in specific areas of your direct-to-consumer brand. This is the 2x e-commerce podcast, hosted by Kunle Campbell. Hey, before we kick off today's episode, I just wanted to um, encourage you to join our Facebook group if you haven't already and to qualify to to, to, to join because we ask you three questions. You must be involved in e-commerce. Um, you should be able to provide your um, email address and just abide by the rules. Um, that's all. Um, it's a place where um, you can get to connect with um, some guests you hear on this podcast. I try and send them invites. Um, it's a place where you get to ask questions from fellow um, e-commerce entrepreneurs and marketers, um, really in the direct-to-consumer space. Um, it is a place where we do not, you know, tolerate nastiness and you know hate and all that, all of that, you know, rubbish. It is pure positivity for growth it's it's not a huge group as i always say and that's because we filter out loads of people our accept to to reject ratio is almost 50 50 we accept about 65 maybe 70 percent of applicants and the other 30 40 percent we 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 just um politely decline um because not everybody is a fit on there Today's episode is particularly interesting. Um, I interview a gentleman by the name of Eugene Levin. He is the SEM Rush Chief Strategy and Corporate Development Officer. And he just talks about how we discovered um, SEM Rush while he was working in VC. They, they, they're a solid business. I've been following them since, since 2010. And he talks about their journey. And then we end, actually, from the middle part of this interview to the end of the interview, 
we talk about SEO, we talk about keyword research, we talk about some interesting hacks on how to optimize Amazon listings and you know how you as a direct-to-consumer brand can leverage keyword research and you know SEO in general to to um, you know drive um, you know um, growth and traffic through. So it's it's one to to listen to for sure. It's a great conversation. He's a great guy. Very open to um, to 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 giving information and sharing information. So enjoy the show. But before. You, the, the show starts off. Remember, we have sponsors. You're going to listen to our sponsors, both Clavio and Rewind Backups. Um, they're great platforms. And remember, for Rewind, um, go to their website and just mention um, 2x e-commerce and you will get uh, yes, you you'd get extended trial um you know session from from seven days to 30 days if you run you know um shopify or big commerce um so yeah enjoy 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 i'll catch you on the other side cheers the 2x e-commerce podcast is brought to you by clavio the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and sms messaging whether you're launching your e-commerce business by taking your brand to the next level clavio gives you the tools to get growing faster that's why it's trusted by over 30,000 e-commerce brands like brooklyn non and choppies build your customer list send emails that pop and create marketing moments that build valuable customer relationships over any distance get started for free today visit clavio.com slash 2x to create your free account that is k-l-a-v-i-y-o.com slash 2x Let's take a quick break to talk about screwing up. Accidents happen. Perhaps you installed an app that messed up your theme or a CSV import completely messed up your product catalog. Common myth, cloud-based e-commerce platforms like Shopify and BigCommerce have automatic backup solutions you can use when something goes wrong with your store. This is simply untrue. They don't. Myth busted. So what do you do? You use Rewind. Rewind will protect Shopify and big commerce stores with automatic backups. Rewind should be the first app you install to protect your store against human error, misbehaving apps, or collaborators gone bad. It's like having your very own magic undo button. Rewind is trusted by over 25,000 businesses from side hustles to the biggest retail brands you can think of. Gymshark, Movement Watches, and Pampers all use Rewind for automatic backups. So here's the deal for 2Xs. If you head over to rewind.io, which is R-E-W-I-N-D.io, install Rewind, you'll get to use it for free for seven days. If you reach out to the Rewind team and mention the 2X e-commerce podcast, then extend your seven-day trial for a full month for free. Enjoy peace of mind with Rewind Backups. Remember to head over to Rewind.io and don't forget to mention the 2X e-commerce podcast for a full month trial. Hi guys, welcome, welcome, welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast show. I'm Kone, your host, and this is the podcast dedicated to rapid growth in online retail. I'm just going to draw my mic here so um, my audio guy, you know, does not get upset. But, you know, um, welcome, welcome, welcome. And um, if you're looking to grow metrics such as conversions, average order value, traffic and ultimately sales, you're, you're in the right show. 
on today's show, who's, who's coming from today's show? He's, he's a gentleman by the name of Eugene Levine, and he's a chief strategist officer at um, SEM Rush. Now, there's a chance that 80% of you guys listening know or have come across SEM Rush because of how you know um, how dominant they are in in the SEO space. Um, I used SEM Rush back in 2010, I think, and um, I've just seen it grow. You know, astronomically, it's it's become the gold standard essentially for keyword research in um, and also now SEO audits in um, in the in in the in the in the SEO world. Um, and I was actually you know. Um, on a YouTube tutorial, I attended a course on, on YouTube and, you know, optimizing the YouTube channel because we just set up the YouTube channel. And um, one of the go-to platforms uh, alongside, I think it was like Telebody, was SEMrush for keyword research, for, for looking for potential topics in, in titles. The technology is outside. The, you'd think SEMrush was from Google um, a lot of the time because of how deep, how they're able to just reverse engineer how Google works. Um, so I, my, it's 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 an absolute privilege to to to, to have um, you know C level you know rep C uh, level leader at SEM Rush on the show. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Eugene Levin. Welcome, Eugene. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. A pleasure. A pleasure. A pleasure. It's you're you're, you're dialing in from the East Coast right now. Um, is that in in New York or um, elsewhere? In Boston. In Boston, oh well, okay. Boston is is a hub of um, a lot of tech companies. Um, I, I could see. Um, I was in Boston. Um, I think last year, October. Um, so it's pretty early for you there, um, and I appreciate you coming on the show. Um, should we should we start out with you giving a brief introduction about yourself, and then um, we'll probably talk about SEM Rush and the state of SEO and, and e commerce. Sure. So, yeah, my background is mostly in venture capital. I used to be partnering two different firms, invested in everything from, you know, seed stage, early stage to late stage pre-IPO companies. Um, in, in my recent firm, we focused on uh, consumer internet marketplaces. You know, I invested in companies like Lyft that you might have heard about. Um, in in Europe, um, our, our one of the biggest bets uh, was a company called Delivery Hero, which yet again we invested. We thought it's it's a it's a late stage, but now they're traded at like sixteen billion dollars market cap, wow. world's biggest food delivery company. Uh, so that was kind of the focus of the firm, and um, at some point it felt like the the multiples and, and valuations are hyperinflated. You know, it was the period when everyone was looking for the next uber of something you know like uber of um uber of cleaning uber of yep. you know other things and you know everything just felt very expensive and at the same time i i noticed that saas companies are undervalued and trading at you know almost all time low multiples for saas and uh, as a result, I thought, you know, we probably should need to focus on on different segments and just try to find good companies there. Yep. Uh, I and, and we had this approach about investing in things we know. And I used SEM Rush probably, you know, like you since 2010, 2011, uh, you know, sometimes for marketing, but also for due, due diligence. 
Because you know, when we when you invest in companies, you want to understand competitive landscape and and uh, you know, SEM Rush uh, competitive intelligence have been one of the core parts of the product, pretty much since the very beginning. So I reached out to founders. Uh, we had a conversation. Um, you know, I very quickly started to realize that this is probably much more successful business than I initially than I initially thought. Um, but they you know, they, you know they were they were so so efficient they didn't need money so um you know as many investors do in those situations they just you know tried to stay in touch be helpful I was giving them advice helped to set up analytics frameworks help you know to establish uh you know connections with, with the community so so you know did did you know some advisory work for free. And uh, eventually we met one more time. I gave them another pitch about the value that investors can bring, uh, you know, on top of the money. Mm-hmm. But they, they said, Eugene, you seem like a, you know, helpful guy, but we still don't need your money. So why don't you just join the company? And, you know, and they kind of made me an offer that was very hard to reject. So, so that was uh, more than four years ago, and uh, yeah, since then we had quite an interesting journey. Um, company, in, you know, grew. Uh, I think by now more than six times. So um, it was qu- quite quite an exciting uh, journey. It's it's been an incredible journey because um, at the time I remember they were predominantly based in Europe in in Russia at the time back in two thousand and ten, and then we started to see like consistent expansion, you know, and and you could see with the hires, um, they, they were getting more hires um, in London. They were doing lots of um, um, in person um, events. Um, they were sponsoring a lot of events, also SEO events, um, and. Um, yeah, a lot of people were not talking about SEM Rush. They were pushing a lot of other tools, but the feature sets, the the strength, the power of it spoke for itself. I remember I was using another SEO because I I, I used to be an SEO. Um, I was using another SEO, um, and I was pushing this other SEO platform called Analytics SEO, and it was just not as robust and and good um, as as the SEM Rush. And over time, um, its so called um, you know SEO audit capabilities. Um, was just flat, completely obliterated by SEM Rush. I, I, it was it was fantastic. It was is phenomenal, and to see where it, where where it's going now, or where it is now, is 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 is, is super super interesting. So, um, could you so if 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 you have privy to this, um, so let give us a timeline of the last ten years of of SEM Rush, and then we start to talk about you know um, more technical bits of, of SEO and um, and e-commerce. So, I think the so we 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 believe that birthday is two thousand uh, eight, uh, but it it kind of started a little bit earlier with a web browser plugin called SEO Quake. That was one of the most popular um, yeah, on Chrome. SEO, SEO yeah. plugins. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so on Firefox. Um, yep, yeah, for Firefox. Now, now, now it's available for almost everything. But yeah, so it started with this plugin. And um, and that gave us kind of kind of good reach to SEO community uh, initially. And that you know reach allowed us to um, to sort sort of promote new products uh, to this audience. Uh, no, there was there was project called SEO Digger, which then evolved um, into SEM Rush, and um, 
And I think, you know, after, after 2008, it was pretty much all the way SCM Rush. And we started with two products, um, mostly SCM competitive intelligence products um, for pay-per-click advertising and search engine optimization. So that's sort of why SEM Rush, uh, because, you know, SEO and pay-per-click AdWords combined, you know, give you SEM. Um, so, and that was the case pretty much all the way till 2012. Uh, and, um, you know, founders didn't really uh, focus all their time on on this one pretty much till 2012. It was more like a hobby than, than full-time business. But, you know, this thing was growing quite well without a lot of investment, you know, in terms of money or time. So there was something like, you know, people... People liked the product. They were sharing it with, with you know, friends, colleagues. So it was one one of those pure organic growth stories. Like you don't, yeah. you just build the product, you don't do anything, and it grows. And and once they they realized um, this, they decided to you know abandon all other projects and focus on SEM Rush exclusively. Yeah. So, then uh, you know that was roughly 2012. At that point, we started uh, establishing offices in other countries. So, so in 2012, we uh, opened our office in uh, Philadelphia. Yeah. And, um, you know, after that, it was, uh, you know, we started hiring more marketing people, more salespeople. Uh, but still, proportion between, you know, sales, marketing, and R&D was not favorable for distribution and favorable for R&D. So majority of company was, at that point was, was just engineering and, and product teams. And uh, we started expanding the product um, as in, you know, new features mostly for SEO and, and sometimes for, for pay-per-click. Uh, and then in 2000. You know, 15, 16, so so a little bit before I joined, uh, we started rapid expansion of the products. So we started uh, building products for social media, for content marketing, um, decided to broaden our competitive intelligence capabilities. And um, and that's kind of was you know, roughly 2016. And then one of the first things that, that I wanted to change when I joined was how we do uh, marketing and sales because we were extremely efficient. But for investors, if companies extremely efficient, that's you know on one side very positive, but on the other side means it could grow faster. And uh, you know people people from investment background they they kind of you know focus mostly on speed of growth, and uh, that's that's sort of what I wanted to do. So. We made company in a way less efficient from customer acquisition point of view, but we accelerated growth dramatically. Uh, we started investing in global marketing. We started hiring more and more salespeople. We started expanding our global offices. So right now we have three offices in the United States, uh, Boston, Philadelphia, and Dallas. Uh, we have uh, two offices in Europe, Czech Republic, Cyprus, and uh, St. Petersburg. And uh, we continue to invest in R&D. So R&D is uh, still by far biggest, not, not by far, but it's, it's still biggest part of the organization. Um, so so what, what, does, what does marketing at a SaaS company look like? Um, marketing that stimulates, you know, hockey stick growth, as you just alluded to, look like? 
I think yeah, a lot of I, th- I think if you if you think what's the core difference between e-commerce marketing and and SaaS marketing, so SaaS marketing is, is not very transactional in the way that e-commerce marketing is focused just on you know moving customer through the finish line and that's it. And then if customer doesn't buy again ever, that's not good, but it's to- tolerable. So for SaaS, it's not tolerable. So SaaS is is a different beast where. You spend a lot, a lot of money upfront to get, you know, customer attention and then to educate customer and then, you know, maybe, you know, sort of push customer through the finish line. But then it's only the beginning of the journey. Then you need to start working on retention. Then you need to start working on expansion. So uh, it's uh, from from this point of view, in e-commerce, transaction is, is the end, you know, the final, the final destination. Then, yeah, if you can build relationships, that's great. But that's you know more of a more of a, you know uh, additional outcome rather than the, the the goal of the marketing. And then in e-commerce, this is just a beginning. So we just start with with conversion, and then real story begins. And um, in terms of uh, you know channels and, and taxis that you do approaches is also the same. You invest a lot upfront in certain channels in a way you know you you. You earn your reputation. Uh, you earn trust in the community. You, you know, there, there are some channels where you invest for years. They don't bring anything, and and then at some point they start working. Like uh, you mentioned, you see us a lot at conferences. Well, conferences, if you, if you just do conference once, doesn't do anything. Yeah. Like it's, it's it's just a complete waste of money. Yeah. But. If you do them consistently uh, over years, then it helps you to start getting attention from opinion leaders. It it helps you with some sort of brand recognition. And then when when you know client have a choice between you and some other company, and they remember they've seen you in a conference. That's yeah. So so it's, it's more of a branding exercise and, and relationships and networking than than marketing channel, but but if you invest consistently for years, it starts, you know, paying off one day. And it's and also the problem with those things, they're very hard to measure. So we, we had we had to come up with ridiculously complicated analytics frameworks to uh to prove the you know that, that certain things uh provide value. Or or you know, sometimes we, we discover that they don't provide value and we abandon them. But um I think the, the big difference is that in, in software. Uh, it's a very, very long-term game comparing to e-commerce. Okay, so let's. Um, a majority of our listeners um, are, you know, e-commerce businesses, and some have an SEO strategy. You know, others don't have an SEO strategy. Um, others are just, you know, working on performance marketing, um, of which your tool is still, you know, relevant in the sense that, um, you know, if you're looking to dissect um, or, um, you know, keyword research on, on Google AdWords, um, you know, this you know, SEMrush provides a lot of insights on top of the Google keyword tool. Now, um, so what suggestions um, do you give, would you give to e-commerce, you know, businesses looking for like competitor intelligence or competitor research or market analysis um, for growth on the one hand and um, for entering new markets on the other? So I think in, ter- in terms of growth for e-commerce, uh, I think the, 
The question is uh, how much people already know about your product. So how innovative is it? And I think if, you know, if, if, if this is, you know, pretty much, you know, let's say another laptop and people know what, a, what, what is laptop, uh, then, then it's more about listing optimization, which is uh, on page, you know, adding, adding right keywords uh, to the text. And, you know, obviously, you know, things like, like link building, uh, internal structure. So, so that's, that's would be my key. In terms of keyword research, there are, you know, not that many creative things you can do with an existing product category like laptop. You want, you want to have some, some choice of keywords that, um, you know, a little bit less competitive than what your competitors are using, but still get a lot of volume. Uh, but over time, there are less and less uh, such options because, you know, other people do the same thing. So with, with this, it's, it's more about, you know, the, your domain in general and then how this domain splits sort of link equity to other parts of the website. So you have good internal linking and then on page for each listing. Um, it's more interesting for new product categories uh, because there you can do a lot of content around listings, mm-hmm. uh, kind of to teach people what, this thing is about, and um, and here you can come up with some sort of uh, pillar content strategy, which doesn't usually work for e-commerce. But if it's a new product category where you need to, uh, you know, teach people what is it about, uh, that could work. The only the only issue is that if if this is something new, people are not searching for it. So you need to, you know, find some closed topics that that sort of people search for, and then. When, when, when they got to your content, move them to the direction of your uh, product. So, so in terms of keyword research here, you would, you would want to do, for example, things like uh, you know, gap analysis to identify um, things that other people write about. And then versus this gap analysis, uh, run uh, you know, more or less standard keyword research to identify what of those keywords have uh, the best opportunity, you know, not very competitive and, and have reasonably high volume. But those keywords will not be directly related to your product. They will be from similar topics, you know, close for the same audience, but not exactly this because you're trying to promote your product category. So, and then in terms of, so, so that was kind of about the growth. And the second question was, Moving into new markets, as in like yep. seeking new opportunities um, with, with insights um, yep. from, from tools like yours. Yeah. So I think, uh, yet again, there are two ways um, to approach this. If you're attacking uh, existing market, then you, know, you, you can do a lot of uh, competitive research um, and, and kind of, you know, in general, uh, try to understand what niches are not taken. In this case, you're not thinking about each keyword specifically or each product specifically. What you want to see is uh, what other e-commerce player, players are less presented in different space. Um, it, and, and it's also about, um, you know, local market to some degree. I mean, e-commerce is kind of supposed to be very global play, but I think it's still not, the case and in many cases local players with better logistics can win local markets and when i say local i mean country level yeah uh, so it's a, you know for 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 you to to find your niches doesn't matter what amazon is doing in the united states 
it's important what other people doing in your country. So, so you, you, by the way, it's one of the ways to, to identify good niches might be exactly to see, you know, what, what's overlap, let's say, between Amazon and Home Depot. Mm-hmm. So those are probably very popular goods. And then you can identify those goods and do another gap analysis with the, versus your local players mm-hmm. and see what Amazon and Home Depot doing that your local players are not doing. You, you mentioned SEMrush moving out of outside of the well, just expanding outside of the Google um, ecosystem to to other platforms and social. Um, does that also include Amazon? Do you now provide um, insights into Amazon keyword research? Uh, so, you know, in term, in terms of Amazon, we we've launched one product uh, which is uh, free uh, free Amazon A/B testing. Okay. One one of the problems with Amazon is that you cannot really run tests. So we build a sort of workflow around this that allows you to test listings. It's not classic A/B tests, more like before and after tests, but still you know better than than nothing. And the product is free, mm-hmm. uh, and we will be releasing more uh, things for Amazon. We are focusing mostly you know on two parts. So one is is how do I improve my rankings within Amazon ecosystem. And then the second one is how do I drive external traffic to Amazon listings? Interesting. Because, because we, we think that ultimately people would lean towards owning their audience in some way. Mm-hmm. And then for them, Amazon will be more of a logistics and checkout. Exactly. Um, and uh, that's why we, we think that moving forward, um, you know, Sending external traffic to Amazon will be will be a big uh, big part of your mix, mm-hmm. yeah, and it kind of circles back to what you talked about from SEM's experience um, with the with the conferences. So you look at a situation in which um, you have a product. Um, say you're selling like a phone case, and you've done effective marketing from other channels such as Facebook or you know even. Um, um, you know, sponsorship of a podcast, what, what have you. Um, and people know your brand name. And when they're, you, you drive traffic to your Amazon or when they're in Amazon, they look at your brand name um, and they look at another because it's a marketplace. There's so much. Um, if you're looking for a phone case, you have, you know, thousands if not millions of choices. But because of the strength of that brand name, your brand equity, um, they just naturally gravitate um, to towards your brand in Amazon. And then, you know, what you just said, which I think is golden, no one has ever said it, is the fact that Amazon would be viewed as a checkout. It's, it is just another checkout. Mm. Let's take this quick break to hear from our sponsors. It's safe to say that most of us have been doing more shopping online lately. And if you're an e-commerce brand, that means you might be seeing more first-time customers. But once they've made the first purchase, how do you keep them coming back again? That's what Klaviyo is for. Klaviyo is the ultimate email and SMS marketing platform for e-commerce brands. It gives you the tools to build your contact list, send memorable emails, automate key messages, and more. Way, way more. That's why over 30,000 e-commerce brands like Chobby's, Brooklyn Inn, and Living Proof use Klaviyo to build a loyal following. Strong customer relationships mean more repeat customers or sales, enthusiastic word of mouth, 
and less dependent on third-party ads. Whether you're launching a new business or taking your brand to the next level, Klaviyo can help you get going faster. It's free to get started. So visit klaviyo.com 2x to create your free account. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com slash 2x. Interesting. It, it, and I think I think many people don't see them this way because, you know, a lot of people made businesses just by selling on Amazon and just managing one yeah. channel and that's it. Now, what we see is that, you know, moving forward, this will be way more competitive than it is today. So there will be a need for some diversification. So you want, you naturally, you would want to say, okay, I'm selling Amazon. Now I want to also start selling Walmart. I want to start selling on other, you know, places, depending on what country I'm in. Uh, and, um, and, and, you know, people will, will become, you know, not one channel manager, but multiple channel managers. But then at some point, people will say, okay, um, I sell a lot of stuff. I don't know people who buy it. So uh, so it's very hard for me to sort of remarket to them. And they will be going more into direction where they need to build a brand first mm. and then think about distribution. Once you, once you control and own your audience, then... Ultimately, Amazon is just like logistics and, and delivery. If you're not, if, if you drive more traffic to your listings than they do, then they they have very low leverage. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah. so what, what channels are you? Th- what 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 were your go to channels for driving traffic to an Amazon listing? Well, I mean, uh, I think I think you know, in in terms of traffic, it's pretty much the same almost for everything. Uh, search traffic is the biggest source of external traffic. And sometimes you have strong brand and and you have a lot of direct traffic, which doesn't really count. This is just a brand awareness and and you know uh, the the function the, the function of your audience. Uh, but yeah, in terms of external traffic, search traffic is by far the best. Um, you know if so. So can you? Can you buy um, Google Shopping ads or um, you know um, Google Search ads to to Amazon to an Amazon property from your from your company you know AdWords account? Uh, well, yes, you can you can do that, and oh. um, and and also you can promote your listings organically. Like that, nothing really stops you from building links to your Amazon listing True. instead of building links. To, to your, your website, you know, to your website homepage, and and yeah. we we see a lot of people doing this because you know Amazon is one of the most authoritative domains in the world. The rank ranked for you know a huge huge amount of different keywords, mm. so it's it's sort of easier to promote Amazon listing than your own uh, website sometimes. That's... Now you may not necessarily want to do this for everything. Mm. But for something very competitive, like, you know, I, 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 for example, know that I cannot rank for, you know, keyword headphones or even, you know, um, wireless headphones or even something more, more, more niche and more specific. You know, those, those things are extremely competitive. But my Amazon listing can, I mean, if, if, if you look at this, uh, some, some of the top, uh, Amazon listings that rank for those keywords, they don't even have that many links, like, you know, 10, 20. I can build 10, 20 links easily. So 
So that's, I think, what uh, what we see a lot. And, and also for some keywords, some niche keywords right now, we're starting to see uh, even new approach emerging where uh, direct-to-consumer brands pretty much own the whole SERP. And it kind of starts with them. So they start with promoting their uh, Amazon listing. And then maybe they have a couple other listings like eBay listing. Mm-hmm. And then they promote a review website that uh, that talks about their headphones versus other headphones. Mm-hmm. And and they and then they they also promote their YouTube videos with, with yet again headphones reviews and so on. But for some keywords, I, I was able to find serbs that are completely dominated uh, by brand. by certain brands. Yeah, mm-hmm. super super interesting. Um, another another thing we've preached on this show um, has been like the number one SEO metric to to um, and you know this is controversial by the way the number one SEO metric to to optimize for is brand name search and um, the the theory there is like um, if more people are searching for your brand um, you know you the, the idea is that more if you're selling headphones for instance more people sh- should search for your name eventually than headphones um and the theory is pretty much just just dominance you look at um you know sites like boohoo.com or fashion over um are in they're in like fashion in fashion you know uh, in fashion e-commerce and um none of the terms they, they they rank for things like you know dresses party dresses what have you but none of those terms are as big as their brand name essentially when you sort of put their domain up in SEM Ross, you just see that their brand. And then that's how you know that they dominate that space. Do you, do you agree or not? <laughs> I, I, I absolutely agree. I think, um, you know, when people search for headphones, that means they're in a very, very early stage of their journey. So, so you need to be there somehow, but, but you you should not expect that people will just click and buy your your headphones. People people search for general terms, but when they're looking for information, so they kind of tell I'm in the market to buy something, but I haven't made any decision. And once they make a decision, yeah, they will search for uh, the specific brand, and before they buy, they will search for reviews. So yes, if you if you have a lot of searches for brand, that's that's a very very good sign. Now the problem is how to get there because you you don't get to this by doing like uh, you know just search engine optimization. You need to write a lot of content. You need to work with other people to write a lot of content. You need to be present in very you know, many many places, and uh, and that's sort of more than more of an art than science. There is no playbook that works for everyone, but brand search is extremely important uh, from many points of view. Uh, it's it's a good indicator. It's kind of what what you should aim for that more people find you by searching for the brand. But it's also, um, you know, the way I think about brand search, uh, it's uh, it's my home. It's it's my new homepage. More people visit me through uh, my brand search than. Um, then, then just go directly to my website. Sometimes, I mean, for for SEM Rush, it's not the case. Uh, but but we have been around for for uh, you know more than ten years, so so people remember how to type in our name. But but still, we have hundreds of thousands of people who just search us in Google and then go to our website. What's even uh, more interesting, a lot of people now use Google as navigation. 
So they will type in SEMrush and something that they're looking for in Google and, and then click on specific uh, part of the website that they want to visit. And from this point of view, if people actually use Google to navigate technically your website, then it's extremely important like uh, to understand how you work with it, how do you prioritize links uh, within your website towards uh, what people should see. And, and what's really good is that you can actually influence those things. Yeah. So, because this, this is mostly about how you, how you push content, how you do internal linking. Yeah. Um, so, so that's what fascinates me. And, and we, we have a lot of those you know, use cases. As, as the website gets big, it's, it's very natural for people to use uh, Google just to find stuff on your website. Now, you're, not, you're never going to have search of a quality uh, that Google can provide to end consumer. So, so thinking that, you know, I'll have this, this search bar on my website and people, you know, they, they, they would not because this thing doesn't work usually. Yeah. And, and, and what, what some other people propose, and, and I, uh, and I support this is when, you know, um, you, you've, you've got that volume of people searching for your brand, it becomes naturally easier for you to sort of rank for, for other, you know, more generic keywords, um, because you just have that authority. Google knows somehow that um, there's some value. I mean, if like you, Google knows the competitors in this environment and Google knows, okay, this particular brand has a million people searching for it, for it as compared to this other brand that has 200,000. So more people are interested. And so whatever this 1 million brand name search brand is optimizing for should be in most cases, more important than what people are looking for that 200,000 brand, unless that 200,000 brand name brand, um, sorry, unless that 200,000, you know, um, brand name search brand um, is very specialist and then it could own that category. Um, it, it has no way of competing against the the 1 million. If they do their SEO right, if they have the right SEO, you know, team. I'm just looking at Fashion Nova, for instance. Fashion Nova has point. 0.9 million, 4.1 million searches a month on Google for just their brand name. And then they have other variants like Fashion Over. Um, the other variants are like another 500,000, 4.5 million people search for this brand. And their next generic term is Lingerie. And there are only 670,000 people searching for Lingerie. They rank for number two, uh, sorry, number three for for laundry um so by the way i'm, I'm in an sem rush account right now um which yeah so it's just interesting that most of the the hugest volume terms here um is is just fashion over you know um it's, it's their brand name and then you know a number 10 or so you, you then have um you know a, a more generic term which is interesting yeah, and you know the, the the same goes about about niches. So, you know, in terms of what, you know, when you start thinking what keywords make money, then niche keywords make more money than those generic keywords because mm. um, you know, as, as I said, people people search for headphones only when they don't know what headphones they want to buy. Yeah, exactly. And then at some point they say, okay, I, I want a wireless headphones. Okay, I, I, I want a wireless over the year. And, and the closer it gets, you know, the longer your keyword gets um, to, um, 
you know, the closest to conversion to long year is, is your keywords. So, so you're getting more money from long tail keywords than from generic keywords. And, and that's yeah. actually very surprising because many, many people, they just have this, you know, I, I want to rank for, uh, you know, headphones or, and you know, in our case, you know, I want to rank for SEO. Well, we could rank for SEO, but it doesn't, but it wouldn't bring a lot of money because uh, people who are searching for SEO, they don't know SEO. They, they, yeah. they maybe need courses. Maybe we should rank courses for this, but not yeah. SEMrush main website. There's intent, you know, with, with along with a very specific, you know, keywords. Okay. Um, I want to, you know, we, we're we talking today, we're still in the month of May 2020. Um, we, the COVID crisis in, in many countries um, is starting to flatten. In some countries, they're still, you know, peaking out. Um, what has been your experience out in SEMrush um, around um, coronavirus, um, you know, over this past two, three months? So I think, you know, we, we see um, that, the very consistent picture with what other SaaS vendors reported, you know, and we we've been through the first sort of wave of earning earnings calls. So a lot of publicly traded company had to disclose uh, certain information. I think what what we see within our user base is very consistent. Um, I think in general for uh, SaaS companies that focus on online visibility and digital presence, uh, it's. Um, you know, it's not not cool to say those, but I think it will be even sort of net positive, in a way that this this whole thing will accelerate digital transformation so. uh, more and more. You know, e-commerce is all our e-commerce uh, are golden right now. So, yeah. so um, yeah. um, you know, Zoom and and communication companies the same thing. They, they Shop, you know, Shopify, Shopify. Shopify. <laughs> it's it's been the golden child here. Um, it's it's fascinating, yeah. and then. In SEMrush, um, uh, you know, um, the reaction from, from the data, you guys, you know, you're a data company, essentially. Um, so from the data you have privy to at, at a very top level standpoint, um, have you seen, um, on, on the one hand, consumers react to COVID from a search volume perspective? Um, have you seen, you know, a, a spike in search volume from your data and, and also, um, what kind of reactions, if you have, you know, um, privy to, uh, have you seen like e-tailers and e-commerce, how have they reacted? Have they been more like, you know, brand name search volumes to, to um, e-tailers or um, more for products? Um, do, do you have any, you know, data to, to give us a perspective of what has happened mm-hmm. in the last two months? Yeah, so we, we, don't, we don't see, um, uh, I mean, we, we, we do see the difference between brand and non-brand, but I wouldn't, be able to give you the number from top of my head. In general, we see increases in traffic across all product categories, almost all. There are very, very few product categories like, um, like let's say, uh, cocktail dresses. So yeah, people people buy not a lot of them, but yeah, most of, most of product categories went up uh, in terms of traffic. In terms of CPC, they also slightly even went up. Um, but only slightly because uh, the, let's say, amount of time that people spend online also increased. So, so your CPC is usually a function of you know how many how many searches people running, how much time people spend online, and then in, in this case, demand for certain ads went up, and uh, also at the same time, amount of time went up. So, so CPCs increased only marginally. Um, 
And then, you know, some categories actually, you know, not not doing great. But but if, yet again, the question is if you consider them e-commerce. But, you know, ob- obviously travel websites are yeah. in a bad shape, you know. Uh, for us, um, uh, car rentals always have been a very good group of customers. They're mostly online from acquisition point of view. Yeah. They, they're in a very bad shape. Uh, some of them started you know filing for bankruptcies but i think i think overall for e for e-commerce it's it's even you know it's even yet again i don't want to say words like positive because not nothing this whole thing is positive but if we if we need to find you know um something good when when you know in times of crisis then um i would say f- this will completely change how people think about buying groceries yeah. So, which which was huge, huge product category in terms of uh, turnover that people always felt, you know, I, I'll will just go and buy, you know, milk in in my shop. Even even e-commerce companies who had food brands, we we always talked to them, and they they were like, yeah, we we were not going to do fresh, we're not going to do uh, many other things, you know, we we'll do you know food supplements, you know, things that can can be stored, and, and now it changes, like people. Because people will buy anything online uh, instead of going to the you know supermarket, and I think that's you know opens uh, tons and tons of opportunities uh, to uh, to to food e-commerce, which we, and those opportunities kind of didn't exist. Exactly, um, and exactly. Um, I mean consumer behavior certainly you know changed, and um, and I think as long as this stretches. Um, there's the potential for a lot of these habits to stick longer term. And, and so, you know, that share of e-commerce, this most likely like what SARS did, did in 2003 to China um, is likely just going to accelerate, um, you know, e-commerce. And as you alluded to digital transformation from an organizational standpoint, um, even in the employment market, um, a lot of people, um, by default, if anyone's looking for a job now, um, it is going to be remote working. And, you know, back in the days, it was more or less a filter. So they'd apply for a job and then they'd look through a listing and then filter through, you know, who allows remote working. But now it's a default, you know, if, if you're in, in the gig economy, I guess. Um, you, you just, uh, there's, you know, everybody has to work from home, right? Um which is super interesting. I, I think this this one trend in particular will stick uh, because this right now this is an expectation. Like uh, if you if you hire new people by default they start working remote and they expect that this will sort of continue. Uh, uh, that will be very very good for many markets that historically experienced lower um, salary rates even though quality of the talent was always exceptional. Yeah. Um, you know, many European markets uh, for, for R&D, um, because, you know, if, if, if you're Facebook and, and you don't expect people to show, on, show up in your office anyway, um, then why don't hire someone from, uh, you know, Europe, if they, if they can work your, your hours, um, you know, yeah. to compensate for time zone. So what's was the problem? I mean, yeah. so so yeah, I think that will be uh, you know very very positive to people in uh, 
you know, in, in other countries. Um, but also for, um, for certain parts of the United States, um, because, you know, this, the same thing exists in the United States. There, there is, you know, California and Boston and New York, and then throughout all other, all other places where, where engineers don't get this, this type of salaries that they could get in California. And yeah. for many people, you know, moving, moving to California is just not really an option. I mean, there are families, they have families, they, they have kids that go to school. They don't want to move just because, I don't know, there's, there's no Facebook in their hometown. So I think that will be good for, you know, local communities as well. Um, because, because now, now people can make, uh, you know, so, you know, at least knowledge workers, right? Yeah, they yeah. can make yeah. good life, well, good good life without leaving their their hometowns. So, um, you know, it's um, yet again, I'm trying to find as as much positives in, in this whole situation as, as possible. And I think, I think it's um, there are quite a lot of them, to be honest. But yeah. you know, the, the question is at what cost? And you know. yeah, and, and I'm sure um, we'll learn also from an from an eco from uh, from an ecological standpoint um, in terms of you know our carbon footprint and the need to travel and you know move around you know that often. So we'll see how things go. <laughs> we'll see how things go. Yeah. Um, yeah, thank you, Eugene. Um, I think this 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 has been quite a, a thorough, um, you know, conversation. Um, but if you have any parting words on your expectations um, in um, the world of um, you know SEO um, and e-commerce, um, yeah, please please share 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 them with the audience. Yeah, I think. The way we think about SEO and, and, and keyword research and many other things is this is the voice of consumer. People searching suffer something because they need. So by, by doing keyword research, you're not you know trying to do something artificial. You're not trying to manipulate the system. Right? You just listen for the voice of your consumer and, and trying to adjust your message and your product lines uh, towards this voice, and and I think that's the most important part you know, to keep customer first, and and that you know works almost all the time. If if you're consistent, if you put customer first, eventually you will find the right uh, you know product market fit and um, and uh, find your success. Interesting, super customer first, customer centricity. Okay, so guys, um, you know, um. Yeah, thank you for, for, for tuning in. For those who are listening up to this point um, in time, um, the best way to check out SEM Rush or to trial it, um, I think you guys have like a seven day trial um, at SEM Rush, um, would be just to go to semrush.com and you know, give it a shot. Um, I've used it for years. Um, and you know, I'm not saying this off the back of uh, you know getting anything off the back of that. Just it's just a solid platform essentially. It's a utility right now if you know you're into AdWords or or Google um, so SEO. Um, so so yeah, thank you again, and yep, yeah, we'll catch you guys on, on the next show. Thanks for listening to this episode of 2X E-Commerce. We encourage you to connect with our community of 2X E-Commerce listeners on our Facebook group, E-Commerce Growth Accelerator Mastermind. Just search for 2X E-Commerce on Facebook to find it. Answer three questions and you'll be approved. Grab the show notes of this episode on our website, 
2xecommerce.com. Finally, if you haven't already, give the show a review on your podcasting app. Catch you on the next show and keep growing.